Coming to you from that galaxy far, far away, this is the Star Warriors Podcast. And tonight, this is Chris. And this is Rocco. And we're back with another monthly installment of Marvel Comics Star Wars. Yes, and what a month, another month of, I think... Chris, a lot of hits. I genuinely have. I don't think I. I don't have any complaints about any of these books. I have probably minor ones because I'd like to nitpick a lot of things. But sure. I agree with you that this is a great end of Crimson Reign. Mm-hmm. Uh, this chess game, if I may, of Kira's. Now it's been kind of weaving in the books, but not as much as War of the Bounty Hunters, uh, mm-hmm. as we've mentioned on the show before, because this is definitely more of a spy you know, infiltration, infiltration story of how the empire lost control almost. Yeah. It's focused more on espionage and focused Mm -hmm. more on the, um, uh, how do I even put it? Like less that the action, although with bounty hunters, you're still going to get your action porn, but it was more about the conversations, I think. And there were a lot of really great conversations in these books between characters that we have known for 50 years, maybe now almost. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I, th- I think Bounty Hunters is probably the closest one related to the Crimson Rain main story mm-hmm. along with Vader in a way, yes. but definitely Bounty Hunters with the whole Cadelia thing. So I thought it was interesting that we got all the titles this month, um, yeah. which has been kind of sporadic uh, yep. and, and late releases and stuff. But here we are wrapping up Crimson Rain. And we have all the titles um, tying into it as we head into mm-hmm. Hidden Empire this October. Uh, so that is a little bit of news. So um, before we jump to the Holonet, what have you been doing? Just anything fun? Summertime? Um, took the family camping. You know, uh, I took my kids. So it, it gets to a point where it's a lot of fun. And then it gets <laughs> to a point where it's a lot of work. And then it gets to a point where you're so exhausted that all you want to do is curl up and read a comic book. That was literally it. Um, so rewarding and exhausting. <laughs> awesome. Sounds like about fatherhood. You? Yes. Uh, you know, I just, I'm getting ready for a uh, trip to New York. So that'll be, we finally decided to do it because it was kind of on or off thing uh, with some things that are going on in my life. So we are going to come uh so that'll be a nice vacation we're like i've been working and it's just it's time for a break <laughs> so it is um so i can't wait for that um and for nice. that trip i actually picked up that shadow of the sith book um oh, the luke and lando one so i've been really looking forward to that and i i usually read a lot on vacation so i, I was like i'm gonna try it i'm gonna do it that's awesome yeah i've been uh, trying to like read a lot more when I'm on vacation. I was really mad when I didn't grab my uh, comic book bag um, for the camping trip. Cause there were yeah. definitely a lot of moments around the fire I could have read, but I didn't. And it is what it is, but yeah, I typically love to read comics when I'm on vacation. That's for sure. Oh yeah. So New York around me or New York. Uh... Around you, man. So we got, we got to set some up. All right. Let's set That's... some up. That sounds awesome to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. But um, like I said, let's get to the news from the hollow net. Uh, Hidden, Hidden Empire was announced basically at the end of Crimson Reign 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're heading into Charles Soule's third part of his trilogy. And that starts in October. So I'm mm-hmm. really excited for that. I, I think it's going to be kind of like this as a, I don't want to say underwhelming event, but kind of a little more low key event. It's definitely a low key event that not a lot of Star Wars fans know about. I know that for fact. Um, besides our group, right? Uh, if I bring this hidden, if I bring Hidden Empire up to any of the other Star Wars uh, friends that I know, they have no idea what I'm talking about. And then I have to explain it's comics, and then I have to hear why they don't read comics. There's always excuses, but yeah, I think it was much more low key than anything else we've seen. Yeah, definitely more so than World of the Bounty Hunters. Um, and I'm hoping that Hidden Empire hits it home because it does seem like it's going to take place right into that Return of Jedi era because we're there. 
with these books. Um, so I'm excited to see where this leads us. And uh, the next bit of news is about Andor. Uh, so there's not a lot going on right now because of Celebration. And all the news was announced there. So it's a nice little dry summer from Star Wars news. But uh, Andor, the prequel to Rogue One, mm -hmm. looks like it's only going to be two seasons now. Uh, it was originally planned for five. We knew that they cut it down. Now it's two seasons. The first one is one year, 12 episodes, which is great. That's, yeah, I love that. an amazing amount of episodes. Um, and the second season is going to be over a span of what, Five, five years no four years four years four years four years so each three episode arc is a year that's right that's right that's what i read what do you think about that it's kind of an interesting way to do it i mean i trust their storytelling sort of but well i don't know what do you think uh, one thing that really stuck sticks out with me with rogue one that doesn't stick out with any other star wars film um is that this is this is star wars for grown-ups Yes. Like when I watched Rogue One, it, I was watching Star Wars specifically targeted to my age group. I My kids don't like Rogue One, but I know that they will when they're older. There was a lot of there was a much different tone to it. It was like The Wire, but in Star Wars. And and I mean, maybe not to that extreme. I, I am being a bit facetious, but at the same time, yes, in comparison to what we've gotten. And for me, when I saw the opening shots of Andor's trailer, I, I was pushed, I was pulled into that same feeling again. And that's why I'm good with the two seasons. I'm good with the structure because it looks like this is going to be bomb. Good. Yeah, I, I am. I, my only argument with that is Book of Boba Fett, which totally failed itself. Yeah. Uh, like the Godfather and Star Wars. Come on. I mean, this is... I'm just at a point with Star Wars where I'm on like this teetering point with it, where these comics are excellent. Like literary stuff is great because it's actually telling good stories and adult stuff. And I honestly just am getting maybe like worn out because if I don't get something like Rogue One again, it's just kind of like, what are you doing for the longtime fans when you've already like wet our whistles with that, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then you went, down this other path of um, family-friendly storytelling, which Star Wars is, but you got to have something for everybody. Yes, and I think that the, I think Rogue One was the like testing the waters, and I think the Mandalorian is it all the way. But because the Mandalorian is definitely for our age group, our kids like it. But yeah. yeah, exactly, it's it is for everybody. But it is aimed at us. I know what you're saying. But the point is, is that it's so long between Mandalorian seasons. That now we got Book of Boba Fett, which wasn't as great as we wanted it to be. Obi-Wan, I loved and didn't like at the same time. You know, I had a conversation about that this morning where I'm, I was just like, yeah, it's it's good and all. But at the end of the day, it's not it's not what it should be. It's like it's pandering almost in, you know, in this. nostalgia. it's pandering. Nostalgia is what it's doing. Um, but I, I think that it. I think my theory is that it mm -hmm. should have pandered harder. It should yeah. have leaned. If you were going to lean a little, you should have leaned all the way in to the, to the fan service because there were no stakes. The show had no stakes. Right. Exactly. And that's a big point there because even the And then you introduce these characters, which I'm not even attached to you. You're, you're shown for an episode. I'm not building a, like a, a relationship with them across like two, three seasons. Yep. They're go they're here and they're dead. Okay, great. This was a great supporting character. Now you want me to buy an action figure? Yeah, so. right. They're dead. Yeah. What more are they gonna do? Uh, absolutely, dude. Absolutely. But like, the big thing is, is if they're if you're doing Star Wars and you have no stakes in your show, you can cr create a great show by leaning into fan service hard. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, a show like The Mandalorian that gives us a great story and brand new characters has really high stakes because we don't know what's going to happen with these people. So yep. in those instances, you do not need to lean into fan service. You don't yep. need to. You can leave fan service out of it. Do you but see what I'm saying? The, I do, but the fan service they do is even deeper yes. because Filoni yes. takes that next, next step of fan service. Um, you That's know, just true. to close out like my Obi-Wan thoughts, though, it's kind of like I... <sighs> I, it's 
little Leia, great. I'd love to see that. It was a loved great her. build on the character. It was a great like portrayal. It was a great addition to lore. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love seeing Ewan McGregor again. I loved seeing Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader. Yes. But your storytelling is lacking. Yeah. <laughs> it's all it's all bing bang boom, and that's it. You know. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's Star Wars. I don't know. We'll see. I I gotta say that my biggest concern was what this final uh, like battle with Darth Vader was gonna look like. We all knew that there was gonna be this final battle with Vader, and I was like, oh man, I'm really worried about this. Like, this needs to be great, and it was. Yeah, that's the annoying part. I was almost annoyed by that. Like, wow, now you have this excellent moment. This was awesome. And like everything else was so underwhelming. Like that was such a great fight and it made sense and they made it fit. And they even did a callback that makes something he says in episode four, when he calls him Darth, like sarcastically. Cause that made no sense to me as I grew up as a Star Wars fan. Why, if his name, if you know who he is and Darth is a title, it's not a name. So why, why do you call him Darth? It's such a weird little nuance that um that that bothered me for so long exactly they kind of of fixed it i don't know (laughs) i but like the thing is is i was okay with that that Uh that's the stuff i was okay with darf but some of the other like tala and this group of yeah and this group of um the rebels who are they like (laughs) like there were so many different things you could have done with that Kale Kestis could have been with with them. Why you do you have, even bring up Quinlan Voss if you're not going to bring in Quinlan Voss? Yeah, we have Quin. Yeah, you, you straight up said his name. Uh, it's you introduced Coron Horn, that kid and his mother. Like you're doing all this crazy stuff, but it doesn't. I don't know. It's great fan service, but I I, I don't know. This is my issue as we go on since the Mandalorian and these these shows. So I have high hopes for Andor. Um, I end up giving Obi Wan like a seven, seven, seven point five in there okay. somewhere. That's uh, that's fair. I love seeing Vader. Yeah, well, yeah, all the Vader stuff was great. Everything Vader was part of was awesome, and just watching him in his castle too, really building off of that was was really awesome. I love that. Absolutely, and we see that more in these comics, and as they build across every single thing that Darth Vader comes up. Um, because it's something from original EU lore that was never really, um, it was created and then it mm-hmm. was never used. So that was kind of an interesting thing for them to really lean into it so heavily in this new canon. Vader, you mean Vader's castle, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember exactly. there's a deleted portion of Empire Strikes Back. We were supposed to see his castle and Empire and it never had, it was on the cutting room floor. And that since then it's been kind of a thing like people like myself like yourself like our group of friends that are like yeah i want to see this on film (laughs) and and now we've had it a lot so i think thank you rogue one yeah exactly i think that's awesome perfect so what do you what do you think you want to talk about some comics is that why we're here no 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 no. okay i mean yes comic books Comic books. Yes, I have that one too. We're holding so it's up funny. Our, our, we're holding up our Obi Wan number two, number two. Great book. So, yeah, it was very interesting. I thought that the scene is more of his Padawan days. Um, there's another book out there I want to read. I think it's about the two of them. Um, and I'm really a big Qui Gon fan, so anytime mm-hmm. he shows up, and I knew that Liam Neeson was going to be lying about his appearance in Obi Wan, and it was so nice to see him again. It was. Um, it was. Um, but let me do these officials. Uh, Obi-Wan number two. Uh, it's called The Shadow Falls of, on a Padawan. Uh, it's written by Christopher Cantwell. Art by Luke Ross. Colors by Nolan Woodward. And letters by Joe Karamakina. So this starts off uh, again with Obi-Wan reminiscing about his past. And so the whole premise of this is like he's waiting for the the sandstorm to come uh and then he's telling the readers his his stories so we open to his confrontation with maul mm-hmm. uh that happened in rebels 
-hmm. and I thought that was an interesting way to start. Yeah, I um I love that page. Just that page is beautiful. Um, with an Alec uh, Guinness Obi-Wan fighting Darth Maul, and it's like a top half of the page. That's just a gorgeous page. <laughs> I go back to like this this comic anthology called Visions back in the mm -hmm. EU days, and they imagined the fight between Obi-Wan and Maul, and they did it in that and i always love to see this this battle because these two are just like they're like that duo it's so mm -hmm. it was so strange to take that one-off character from a phantom the phantom menace and give him this much story mm -hmm. that's carried on into new canon and just was a really great i i would say full character arc uh one of the best i would say in star wars i would agree that the the character arc given to Darth Maul, who then drops the Darth and is just called Maul. He goes from an assassin, a master assassin, to a philosopher assassin, where he's still that dangerous, but he has this philosophy and he pontificates. And when he does, it's always awesome. I love his his run on. Uh, like with Ahsoka at the end of Clone Wars, a lot of what he said, just explaining, like he just broke down the Emperor's plan. All these years of Star Wars fans, then hearing him break down the Emperor's plan was awesome. <laughs> Absolutely, and it's and it's funny to see this kind of uh, the comparison here from mm -hmm. the darkness to light. Um, in the end, you know how Maul had basically had these regrets as he died. Um, which is a very sad ending for the character since he was finished off so quickly. Uh, but he wanted that release so much anger. And here we have this like this allusion into the story uh, that about darkness and mm. letting the light come in. So I, I thought this was kind of a neat way to introduce the, sh the, the comic. It wasn't super exciting, uh, no. but it was definitely a good like learning uh, Jedi teaching moment uh between the master and and, and padawan so I, I felt that was a really nice story to yeah. to have in this because i mean they're going to go through all these different timelines we're not going to get a full story of like qui-gon and obi-wan but this was a neat way to do it oh yeah absolutely and i i really did you <laughs> in the white bubbles that are happening during that time did you read it as ewan mcgregor and in the gold squares, did you read it as Alec Guinness? Because I literally, that is the two voices every time. Like, it, it actually audibly happened in my brain. And I was like, I'm bringing this up on the show today. <laughs> That's a good point. This was the first comic I read this morning. So I don't think I was in a comic reading mood. Fair at that point. I was like distracted by kids. I remember getting annoyed when I was reading this. <laughs> the environment around me. So That's oh. fair. <laughs> I but I can see I would do it moving forward from here in issue three. Yeah. So thank you for that. You're welcome. And then obviously I had Liam Neeson's voice anytime, anytime he said anything. And I think that that just that enhanced it for me. Absolutely. I think and that's it, the way to do it. Yeah. It's like reading Batman with with what what's his name? <laughs> oh, Kevin Conroy. Kevin is, Conroy. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Every time I read Batman, that's the only voice I hear. But anyway, I really, really enjoyed this little jaunt, this little mission that Obi-Wan and, and Qui-Gon went on, on this planet that was just pure darkness. And it's always like, trust your feelings. Mm -hmm. That's always something that's taught throughout Star Wars. Um, be able to sense what's around you because you're not always going to be able to use your main senses. Yeah. And the force is really that sixth sense that they have mm -hmm. uh, that allows them to perceive a lot more around them. So it was interesting to see the way this story unfolded. It was like, Oh, is this a ghost? Mm -hmm. But yeah. it wasn't, you know, it was, it was just kind of, I liked the way it kind of played a trick on the reader as well as yes. you kind of saw what they saw. And then the story kind of just went along to be like this failed heist and um, these alien, like these, these, I guess, thieves are there um, 
and the weird thing is like this wolf guy shows up but in the end he's actually one of the good guys mm-hmm. but he had killed off all the thieves feeling guilty about it of course but i thought that was kind of a neat um a neat way to kind of introduce fear and then change it to the fact that we all perceive perceived it the wrong way because he did look like a monster sounded like a monster in the dark yeah uh, i i agree i and i enjoy how they took kind of which you would see as a supernatural story and made it in, and like grounded it in the star wars universe you know yes. like they 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 made it something scientific quote unquote but within the star wars universe and i thought that that was that was definitely clever because they're building up this ghost story and that's actually not what you're getting. And I, lo- I, I did love that. So there's actually something bad is happening, right? There's um, this radiation was unleashed, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to merge with the atmosphere and destroy the whole place. <laughs> so they're actually there for a good reason. But in the end, it's, it kind of gets kind of wonky because Obi-Wan gets caught in the blast mm-hmm. and he goes to total blindness. Mm-hmm. So it goes from pure sight to minor blindness to more and more as they go in the dark. And then he loses his sight altogether. And by the time he wakes up, the situation is completely different. He still can't see anything, but it's not as he perceived. So it's very clever storytelling within like 18 pages. Um, yeah. Especially when you're doing basically a five, five story, five yeah, issue but, story. Yeah. So I, I love seeing these little anthology tales with each one. Um, and then being, it's one of the hardest thing in comics mm-hmm. is, is to write a short story because you have so much to like get across to the reader because it is visual yeah. and you can't write a lot either. So it's, it's, it's one of the toughest things. I think they're doing a good job with this comic. I, I definitely agree. And if you saw the last page, it does state that the next issue will be during the Clone Wars and that I am pumped for. So I cannot wait for Obi-Wan number three. Looking forward to that. I think Ahsoka is going to show up. I think so as well. Cool. That would be great. I want to, I was really disappointed we didn't get a Clone Wars flashback in Obi-Wan. So I'm, I'm hoping for one in this comic. I certainly hope so because that was a huge miss. Uh, let's jump to Star Wars number 24. Uh, it's called The Final Hunt. It's written by Charles Soule, art by Ramon Rosanas, and Madibek Musa Bakov. It's probably the best I've ever done on a name. Uh, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg and letters by Clayton Cowles. So this is this is my Star Wars. Right here you got the action figure variant. Mm-hmm. And I got the 50th anniversary uh, Chris Sprouse variant. So I like those it. are finally wrapping up. Finally, um, so we we left the last issue where Zara had been defeated, but she was actually on the run. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they have to they have to go find her mm-hmm. because if they don't put a stop to her, this is all going to continue. And one of the biggest things that I see here is like the sadness from Leia about how many people they lost thanks to Zara and her, you know, unrelenting um, attack on any rebel outpost, any fleet that was going to join the, the main alliance. She's a she savage. There. She is. She was there with the Tarkin's will. And I would say that she's scarier than Tarkin at some points to me. She, she yes, she's an absolute zealot. There you go. For... Yeah. For Tarkin, she's she's really really into Tarkin and their relationship, and honestly, it's borderline creepy, um, like cult like behavior. Um, but again, you know, she saw him as a superhero, and I like how they stated that she found it a joy, <laughs> a joy to kill all these people. I mm-hmm. mean, like thousands of people. Um. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest things here is, and I'll bring this up early, is I what I felt with Leia's kind of recognizing, um, Leia recognizing the fact what she was doing mm-hmm. in response to this horrific thing that 
the rebels did do, which mm-hmm. is destroy the Death Star and kill thousands upon thousands of people, even just workers. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people on that station working that were innocent. Yeah. Tarkin killed millions and millions of people by destroying Alderaan. So it's like, is it a tooth for a tooth? No, because the Death Star was coming to destroy Yavin 4. Mm-hmm. They had to destroy it. Whatever. Yeah. But I like the fact that Leia has come to terms with it being um it was a bad choice yeah as she puts it it wasn't revenge it was just it was a bad choice because in both even in the next case i mean it's just like how many people die in war you know this is war star wars is war it's in the name exactly that's why i hate when people are like oh i love star wars till it got political Okay, so you've never seen Star Wars before then. Um, I don't know what else to tell you, but no, what I like about Star Wars um, when it's because it follows different characters and right now we're following Leia Mm -hmm. and when it follows Leia, it's very, very much on the side of the the political, the the planetary politics um, with actual like war. And and you really get the nuts and bolts of it all in this comic when following Leia. And I think that it's really and you learn a lot about the the military structures of like the rebellion versus the empire. Like you really get a pretty solid breakdown of all of that, which I think has always been cool about this comic. Yeah, it is. It's funny you bring up the politics thing about Star Wars, because we're about to see that in Andor. We're about to finally see what the politicians were doing during the Empire time. Um, so which I'm, which I'm really excited for to see like what role Mon Mothma plays in the show. Now, you know, I think we're getting some of the best action in terms of battles and stuff in the comics, yeah. hands down. I mean, Empire Strikes Back had a great battle. Return of the Jedi has a great battle. New Hope has a great battle. Like these movies are great battles, but the war seems smaller mm-hmm. when you're not reading it for months and months and months. And I think that's the difference in these medias um, and the fact, and, and that's why I feel like reading the comics and the books are so important part of Star Wars, especially if they are going to keep this canon tight, you know, as one and try to really tell this big overarching story in the Star Wars universe, whether or not you do it in different parts of the universe in its own thing. But you have a timeline here that is very, you know, still ripe for whatever you want to do with it. And I'd love to know that this kind of stuff is going on between two of my favorite Star Wars movies when we had Shadows of the Empire before, which was a little bit more of a quick one and done story. It um, was. Right. And so now we have this great, these great comics are telling the story in between each, each of the films that we, we hold so dear to our hearts. Absolutely. And the fact that they've been able to squeeze so much story that makes sense in the comics um, between these movies um, because they're comics, they're short stories. So string a few of those together, and now you got some quality situation. You know, you're not doing these uh, multi-hour long shows, so they can fit a lot of a lot of story, and they can change point of views. So again, that's what I'm really digging about this time period. Because just like you said, it's between two of my favorite movies, and this is a very crazy time period because the empire is about to fall i also like how they've used it as a way to clean up some of their messes you know storytelling they weren't able to move forward with in the new movies uh or just drop from the script or rewrote it completely uh Mm -hmm. that would have made more sense so now it's a part of the canon finally and that's where we're where we're at so um they chase Sarah into a cave Mm-hmm. final final stand i liked it when the first time they uh kind of get they kind of meet up with her and then they fight she like sets all those people on fire and then chewbacca throws her off a cliff that was pretty cool yeah i love that scene <laughs> like, i was like oh she's dead <laughs> yeah she's not though too resilient no too evil <laughs> uh, way too evil um i did like though leia did show her ruthlessness like that was that was her father. That's what I felt. Did you think that she was going to take her that she was going to like save her? Did yeah. you think that I did too? 
Yep. And I was like kind of surprised at the end when when she decided to leave her in the cave. At the same time, I was like, good, good choice, because that's what I would have done. Yeah, like I mean, that person, Zara, that she left in the cave, um, comes to a terrible, terrible death um that Leia just allows to happen and very nonchalantly. And that's right after Leia admits that she has a lot of blood on her hands too. And that dialogue you were discussing earlier, and then she just leaves her there and she's screaming for her and she leaves her there. And those things are going to rip her limb from limb. That's going to be extremely painful. I did not see that coming. (laughs) I didn't either. And that's why I think I loved it so much. I just, Leia is, is ruthless if she needs to be. Um, So I, it was it was great to see this this big arc come to an end because I feel like this story has been going on for a very long time, and the and what's being set up next is interesting in all of the comics, where it's like across eras, mm-hmm. um, and this is the first one I actually noticed him because the Obi Wan's not going to do that, um, and then I noticed that with the other ones, so I'm wondering what they're going to do in this time period between um, up until Hidden Empire. You know, maybe they'll. I'm sure they'll tell stories that are happening during the time, but across eras is a really interesting title. And I wonder if they'll just go anthology until they have another, until they're closer to October. I don't know. Yeah. I'm thinking that if they played this right, it would be anthology stories that pertain to what's going to happen in hidden empire. That's what I think, like just little nuggets of, of hidden empire set up but, and stuff yeah but in like a previous time period you know interesting that's what i'm that's what i would do if i you know was the head of the writing team. i am not clearly but that's what i would do yeah i wonder i wonder if the books will tie more like all of them will tie more into the central at the end of his trilogy um and i wonder what that'll look like i'm sure We'll see Star Wars starting to move away from it. Vader's moving away from it um, eventually, but we have to see what happens to Kira because the Sith Lords are on the hunt. And we'll talk about that soon. Yes. Uh, because I really want to talk about Darth Vader. Um, yes. I love this comic so much. And it's like every time people say, oh, well, doing this kind of stuff makes the universe smaller. I, I beg to differ. Um it's only getting smaller because Disney's choosing not to tell enough stories elsewhere or you don't read the high Republic. I'm not sure which, but the fact that they have basically given us this team up that we've always desired in a way, like Sabe is like dark, dark. Pe- yes. Look at this one. The bad batch. Bad batch. I like that. I like yours. What is it? Vader and what? Uh, that, I think that's valence. Maybe no. Cause he's blonde. Um, this team up is great. At the end of the last issue, it was it was kind of interesting because it left it that she confronted him about being Anakin Skywalker. Yep, and he tries to play it off. Does not successfully, but he no. tries. He does. I mean, she's been doing her detective work. Yeah, um, she's been to all the places. He's allowed it to happen. Uh, yeah, so he's not really that innocent in this whole thing. He, it's funny. I went in the back of his head. He's like, "That's my wife." He can't get past. He can't get past it. Maybe you know what I mean. It must be almost traumatizing for him. Oh yeah, to and and anyone that would stand in between the two of them, it would just be destroyed. And he's such a drama. He is a drama queen. Darth Vader is a drama queen. Another great quote from Sabe is, "If you truly want order, I want to help." And that only like I I was ready for this like oh this is like this is our team up this is our team up with the comics right now mm-hmm. and it's a team up we deserved yes. um, because I always felt like Padme died poorly in the movies mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> I was so happy to see when they brought Sabi back because it was such a neat way to bring back a character that had very little. Mm-hmm. influence on the movies besides being her her main you know um 
handmaiden and deceiver yes. or whatever you want to call them yeah. copy uh i just i i love this and i i just want to see it keep going yeah it was unexpected but really really uh really awesome especially since you know when when she was talking about the whole slavery thing yep. and like going back and um you know anakin once said that he was going to free shmi skywalker he never did so then we went we did that free and like you could tell like vader was really taken with that because she's like it haunted padme yeah it haunted me which is really kind of just speaking to how much they cared about anakin um meeting him as a child and him going with them after that you know the whole tatooine thing and go to coruscant and stuff so i i a lot of this was crazy and then all of a sudden they're like oh yeah we saved a bunch of slaves guess what here are your two best friends when we were a kid yeah crazy i was, i thought they were gonna leave that as kind of like a do you get it thing but they they spelled it all out for people which i loved yeah um and so those those two are did i put their names yep kitster and wald yeah so his friend and that little um rodian kid yeah <laughs> Um, it was so interesting to see those two show up. Uh, and that's what I was saying kind of earlier about making the galaxy smaller, but I don't care. I, I was actually kind of taken back by that whole thing. Yeah. I didn't expect it at all. Came way out of left field. It made, they made it made, make sense. Um, and then it was just kind of enjoyable. And this was one of my favorites definitely one of my favorites this month and so the the whole mission here is sabi asked vader for help uh because the governor of where they took the slaves or is is mistreating all of them mm -hmm. and uh vader goes to help them yes let's see and then um we, we see valens again whatever they're not really doing much in these comics but Ochi's back on the job. Yep. Um, and I mentioned I bought that book and I'm really excited to actually see the role Ochi plays uh, because reading the comics, I'm going to be very judgmental about the way they treat him if, if you didn't do your homework. Yeah. Um, I'm really hoping that the way they wrote him in this comic uh, may could carry over to New Republic time. Mm. I mean, how much is that character going to change? Yeah. No, I, I I would be very curious myself. All right. So then monsters attack. They they're gonna gear up. So Sabe goes into he into Vader's shuttle. He calls for reinforcements. They bring down a shuttle and she walks into like this armor smith, mm -hmm. basically, with all this different imperial armor, walks out, and that's how they leave the comic with her all like ready to do battle against these monsters. Yeah, all like decked out, and I like that. Just awesome. This was a great book. Absolutely. And so that's going to bring us to our commercial. And we will be right back with the rest of the show. DFAT Comics is the publishing branch of Don'tForgetATowel.com, the only place to travel geekly. Focusing on creator-owned and independent titles like Hollowed, Pursuit of Plastic, and Fairy, and many more. DFAT Comics will be a mix of genres appealing to every kind of reader. Join the new source of comic book entertainment with DFAT Comics. And we are back with Star Warriors Marvel Comics. This is Rocco. And this is Chris. And we are heading into Bounty Hunters 23. Oh, okay. The next Rise of Skywalker sprouts cover nice nice and i got the Denver. i like that cover a lot i should have got that cover so i like it what a poster of that yeah dengar with a target on him yeah yeah um i love this book <laughs> i've been i've been waiting for this since i got really excited about the preview they gave us in the last issue yep yep um, and it is called a clear and present dengar it's written by Ethan Sachs uh, with guest artist Natasha Bustos. 
colorist Arif Prianto, letters by Travis Langham. And I will say, I'm okay with the art. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not because it's just very kind of like middle grade to me. Um, I love guest artists and stuff. I don't want to be an asshole about it, but I was just kind of underwhelmed by it, honestly, just to start off this issue like that. But yeah. as long as we're talking about guest artists, you know, you want to make a big deal about it. Yeah, I wasn't. I mean, the the artwork is better than anything I could ever do. But in comparison, we're not getting paid to do this, though, my friend. Yeah, yeah, it 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 didn't overwhelm me. Mm-hmm. I uh, didn't quite understand some of the choices made, but <laughs> you know, again, that's good. <laughs> me neither. You know what but, I did like the choice they made was the way they opened the book to. One of the most, you know, why does Dengar hate Han Solo so much? In the EU, it was because of a swoop bike accident. Mm-hmm. Again, here's our swoop bike accident. I was kind of disappointed, however, that he was still wearing the same headpiece because I thought his head was so hideously scarred that he had to wear that weird mummification headpiece. Yeah, it has changed a little bit. Not as hot, Roddy. Yeah, it's like just bandages now but like with this it was like some type of headdress almost like he was wearing like a headdress that just graduated to bandages i guess i don't i i don't know either all i know is that i need a dangar backstory at some point uh if you're gonna write comics like this and make it this interesting as douchebaggery then please give me a comic about it um even him just running around the galaxy at this point saying i'm part of crimson dawn uh here's my badge yeah (laughs) i'm a a secret agent um i thought that was great the way they opened it um because they really haven't really mentioned their rivalry too much Mm -hmm. um and so here we are and then we flash forward to him being um you know kind of interrogated by some thugs and he's mm-hmm. gone to visit uh, Lord Comdeck, who is related to Cadelia. Yep. Yeah. Uh, who's very worried about her. And so he goes there as a Crimson Dawn operative to basically talk shit. Yeah. And it's incredible that, like, just his behavior was so awful. <laughs> just taking food and then, like, ordering absurd amounts of food. And to me, it felt like, Dengar was pretty clear that this actually might be his last meal with what the plan, the plan that he had. It's just like, well, might as well eat good because if I'm going to die, like, that's how I was reading this, that he had a distinct feeling that this was not going to work out. <laughs> he has such a defeatist attitude. I, well, it works out for him, doesn't it? It seems to. It seems to. He's a very lucky guy. I think they should just call him just lucky instead of that shitty character from Afro. Anyways. Yeah. Um, so he's here insulting them. And then it's funny because the waiter brings him a gun on a platter and he shoots this dude in the head after stabbing the quarren, of course, in the neck with a poisonous um, fish fish skeleton that he was just describing to everybody. Yeah. I, this is so absurd. And that's why I want to see more of it. It's just like, why don't we see more of this kind of crazy stuff from the underworld of Star Wars? I, I don't know. Maybe it's because it's not appropriate. I don't know, but like they could make such a, there, there's so much in these comics where they could make a show or a movie that could just be so awesome. It's all right here. Yeah, like, it's all storyboarded out. It's all right here. So, this is completely action porn. Um, yes, it is. As usual. If if Bounty Hunters doesn't have a, sub t- a subtitle called action porn comic, well, I don't know what they're doing. But um, this goes True. through the, all the secret agent you know, ordeal. He goes to the dinner, assassinates the guy, and he jumps out the window to a speeder. <laughs> he's just so suave. He's even, it, he's even saved a bottle of booze for her. It's it's weird, like they make him such a secret agent, but he also is just extremely lucky, and he's kind of 
he's kind of stupid but yeah, he's a not, loser yeah he's a complete loser <laughs> yes but like he just gets out of these sticky situations and i'm liking this fleshing out of dengar yeah me too one of my favorite characters for some reason when i was a kid because i was anti-establishment so i was like i'm not gonna like bubble fett everybody likes the bubble fetch let me like this guy pays off you see there you go 30 years later yeah that's right that's right the the aim name screen name and all of it it was just pure tribute that's great Uh, um so that's that's it at the end of the book he meets up with our our group of of, uh, bounty hunters mm -hmm. and it seems like they're going to be taking him on their ship which i wouldn't do and i don't know why bosk is so stupid yeah bosk is um he's yeah Yes, but I do like the fact that they know each other. Like, they all, it's like the bounty hunters, like, they all just know one another. Like, the conversation, as soon as Bosk was in the conversation, it changed with Dengar. And you just notice those things the way they write it. And I think that that's just awesome. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, it's weird to think about like this guild. Uh, that exists and we saw more of that in the mando which i love that they established more of like that part of the universe which mm-hmm. um i would love to see more of that uh like the bounty hunter guild stuff during this time period like how did that work and things like that so um maybe they'll do that in this comic maybe we'll see a, a little bit more of a deeper dive before it jumps to the jedi and then new republic times yeah yeah so Anyways, the next comic we're going to be talking about is Dr. Afra, yes. uh, number 21, which is definitely taking taking a an upswing, if I may, um, in storytelling, yes. finally. Uh, yes. It seems like they listened to our show, so I'm very happy to, you know, be a part of that, you know. Yeah. And um, <laughs> this comic is called Desperate Measures. It's written by Alyssa Wong. Art by Minkyu Jung, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, letters by Joe Caramagna. This was, again, like you said, part of the upswing for Afra. Oh, wow. I just looked up and saw the cover. I like that book of Boba Fett with, with Fennec there. Yep. And then I, mean, I got the visualizations from this show are great. Yes. Oh, you, got her as, you got her as the um, Spark Eternal. Yes. I like that. That's pretty shines bright very bright this is a very bright cover well the last time we left afro uh she had absorbed the spark eternal mm-hmm. so it was interesting to see because you see this kind of like battle in her head mm-hmm. um but this ultimately like ultimate power uh that the sith what are they like fake like fake sith are trying to like the ascent what is it the ascendant yeah the ascendant ascendants are fake sith uh who create technology to replicate emulate uh sith powers and magic and things like that so it's really kind of cool and i wonder where that's going to tie back to we keep saying high republic and i hope that this carries on more than just this comic because it's really really an interesting side of things and we've we've spoke on this before mentioning like we've been inundated with the Sith mm-hmm. two rule of two and blah, blah, blah. And um, when they finally started to do other dark side users, like the night sisters and then Maul became his own person. And then the Knights of Ren now, and, and now this, 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 this race of being um, or group or whatever it is that wanted to replicate the power didn't have, the attunement to the force but they wanted to have that power nonetheless yes using technology to channel kind of a fake dark side force use um but still having the same effects if not more powerful but completely manufactured rather than being a force sensitive i think that that was very this very interesting to me and i want to hear more about it so when they talk about it in, in these books I'm always like right in, like, I want to know more. Yeah. And I'm, I'm waiting for it to pop up in another one. I really hope with this, you know, like we just said, uh, high Republic, we've been talking about that a lot. That's one of your wishes uh, that they tie this book to that. And the fact that we're waiting on this next wave of high Republic books, and it's such a huge timeline that 
there's no way they can't use this in storytelling. There's no way. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I'm, it took a while to build up Afra to get to this point, but I'm just, I'm really happy with it. Truly happy with it. So this is very action packed. uh, So there's not a lot of substance to it. The, we have Sana um, and Ko team up. Ko actually saves her from Afra, mm-hmm. pseudo Afra killing her. Um, then they run into the the Bush crew, which is mm-hmm. great. Um, Alyssa Wong wrote that that Bush. That issue, was a right? great book. Yeah. So I love the fact that she's able to write these characters again um, because I I think she's a good writer. Uh, up and down in this book but you know um when the storytelling really gets going i think that she's more than capable Mm -hmm. uh and i know she's also writing some other marvel titles as well Mm -hmm. uh so i'm very i'm very happy to see this book picking up steam yes yes absolutely and it's i'm starting to really care about the characters um based on the storytelling i think that that's been a huge help with with Dr. Afra. So I, like I said, I, I really did enjoy this book. In the end, Sana starts to put together this team to stop her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to come to a, you know, come to a boiling point eventually. But at the end of the book, they reintroduce a character named Magna. Mm-hmm. And Magna was introduced in the earlier Dr. Afra stories. Uh, and I thought this was a really nice tie back to that uh you know as they kind of have you know structured mm-hmm. uh these these stories and created new characters and time has passed you can go back and use them charles soul has done it mm-hmm. and it's it's a really nice thing to see because these are new characters to us yes but now they're new again because you know the storyteller is doing justification to them by using them in different ways by bringing them back it's not just a one off thing like, oh, I knew Magna, Magma from seven years ago or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had Disney canon now for 10 years. Yep. So that's why I love the fact that these comics are coming together so well and that they're able to pay homage to each other and, and use those characters intelligently. Definitely. And when they do it right, too. And I think that we're getting a lot of that in these comics. Um, a, a callback to a character that's not even that old. Exactly. Exactly. And look at, we already got Black Hersantin on TV. Mm-hmm. That's true. So if Disney wants to commit to the storytelling that they're capable of, do it. Yeah. Do it for the fans. Like, don't try to make new fans. New fans will come if you write good stories. But you gotta, yeah. you gotta think about what Star Wars is. Yeah. So, and so closing out today's show is Crimson Dawn or Crimson Rain number five. And it's written by Charles Soule, who is definitely a good scope and grasp on the Star Wars universe. So, I have the Are You Anadito connecting covers for all five issues. Oh, nice. So, I love it. But I mentioned a chess game at the beginning of the show. And what Crimson Rain really has been. And that's yes. the cover you have is the cover A. And I thought that was geniusly done. I love that cover. Yes. The fact that she is moving all of these pieces. And that's what this comic is really about. Yes. Um, but before we get to that, let me just do these officials as usual. Do it. It's called The Crimson Queen. Uh, it's written by Charles Soule, art by Stephen Cummings, inked by Victor Elizaba, colors by Guru FX, and letters by Travis Langham. The Emperor's pissed. Yeah. That's how we open this book. Yes. (laughs) Pissed. I remember this opening. This is a great opening because we've we've seen what Kira's done throughout these comics as Mm -hmm. she's manipulated, moved chess pieces across the board, um, and more. Uh, And the fact that she's able to piss off the ultimate Sith Lord is quite the, uh, the accomplishment in my book. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. And I love the way the, the conversation between he and Vader 
in the beginning of this when you know he's like i just gonna say she kind of fights like you do <laughs> and he and he's just like what are you implying and vader's like i'm i'm not it's just an observation i love that line it's just an observation and he's like it wasn't me and it, if it was like some spoiled rich kid then we would have known it was one of dooku's i yeah. love that <laughs> I love that. And they said, no, this is, she's from the gutter slums. So it's probably mall. Peter's like mall. Yeah, exactly. Newman. <laughs> Pretty much. This, this thorn in their heel, um, yeah. which makes mall so great. The, the, <laughs> the dishonored Sith Lord. Um, and that's the thing too, is like, I can't wait for them to do that storytelling. I don't care how they do it. I'd love to see it as an animated series, but I want to see, the mall and Kira days, uh, to be honest, that would be, that would be awesome. I think I say it every show. Um, let me ask you a question. Yes. We're, we're in this throne room mm-hmm. and the emperor calls upon director Barsha and they don't even show his face. And I'm like, why are they not showing his face? Why do they have it blacked out? I noticed that too. And we right? don't get any resolution on it. Why is he wearing the white uniform like a grand admiral? You know, at first I was like, is it, is it, is it Thrawn? Like it very looked like the silhouette of Thrawn. But then they called him director Barsha. So I was very confused as why, why, why the mystery hidden empire character. It's smart. Yeah. I think it's smart because it's just like, who is this guy? It doesn't, it, it intrigued me. Yes. No, I, I agree. I noticed that and I was like, hmm, who is that? And then I remember getting to the end of the comic and being like, all right, well, they they're going to hang on to that one for a bit. <laughs> That's good, though. This yeah. is a new character that hopefully will play a big role. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, so the the emperor, uh, all of them come to this conclusion that it is Crimson Dawn, mm-hmm. as you said. And so once um once Kira gets basically wind of it, uh, there's a big announcement put out across all the all the channels that comes up, um, an alert. And so Kira's starting to put all of her agents in motion um, of her final move, her mm-hmm. checkmate. Um, and I was kind of confused on where she had sent um, the archivist and the Knights of Ren and that whole squad. It was is it a Sith planet? Like they never said what it was. Right. I, no. I checked and I looked and I was like, where did she send them? Yeah. It was very kind of like um, ambiguous of what they were doing. It was, ex- yeah, it was very ambiguous. And it was that, that screaming key that to bring somewhere to turn the key. It was very like It was very ambiguous. Um, it was an action sequence. It was a cool action sequence. I thought, yeah. Um, but it it we didn't get we weren't given a full understanding of what happened there. No, and it was just like, what are these monsters? What what does that have to really do with anything? It was kind of just it was all kind of confusing to me. It was fun. Yeah. Um, especially watching like the Knights of Ren get smashed by these monsters. Um and so they insert the key. Oops, sorry, and they insert the key. And they pull out this hourglass, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. What is this thing? I I know we're setting up a lot of things here. This is a setup book. It's kind of a weird transition because you yeah. want a finale book. Yes. Which we kind of got, but yeah. we didn't. We got kind of like this crazy mid-story mm-hmm. that leads up to like um to them getting this hourglass, and that's it. And the last thing we see is the archivist calling Kira being like shocked. Yeah. We've got, we don't know why. Yeah. We don't know why. And so the minute she hears that she crushes her communicator and she knows that Palpatine is hunting them. And she says, this is my hidden empire. So choke on it. And referring to the fact that they're going to shove everything down Palpatine's throat and take yes. charge of the universe so this to me because everything has been so 
espionage related and beneath the surface is is alarming because they're going to show their show themselves they're going to bring down the entire wrath of the empire yes and i'm wondering how many of these crimson dawn agents end up being characters we've known for a long time as they show themselves and i feel like there could be a lot you can do knowing about the first scene in return of the jedi the jabba's palace scene i feel like you could really build that around that scene and i think that 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 the hopefully hidden empire is leading somewhere there Next year is the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. So I imagine that they're going to do the same thing they've been doing is moving the narrative into the next chapter um, after the movies. So the setup to that movie, I think we're going to see over the next couple of months. What is it? It's July now. Mm -hmm. We have until October. Mm -hmm. Um, So it would be really interesting to see the lead up as we talked about earlier. Um, and see really what they're going to say, like what you said, how does it change the way we perceive these movies when we watch them? We, how do we read these characters? How does it change what we've known for our entire lives of Star Wars? And they're doing things like that in these, in these comics that, I, that we both can appreciate. Yes. Um, and we ask for more. Because yeah. if this is canon, then tell those stories. Exactly. And anything that can enhance a movie that's this old, like where you can put it on an older film and have a new interpretation based on new information provided, they can go, oh, okay. Um, a lot of the go between between Vader and Luke that made the movie so much better, or at least Vader's like hunt to know of Luke's existence. Like Anytime these books can do that, I'm I'm here for it. Absolutely. So this is this whole book is a call to arms, basically. In the end, we're in, like I said earlier, uh, this is the lead in, and finally the announcement for when Hidden Empire will start, uh, and it's the final confrontation of Lady Kira and the Dark Lords of the Sith, as it's stated, and that starts in October. So we've got some time. Uh, and that'll be really exciting to, you know, learn more about what they're setting up. Yeah. I'm looking forward to October for this. Uh, in the meantime, I'm, I'm curious to see what they're going to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that, that wraps up Crimson Rain, man. I mean, we've been on this road for a long time. It's been really interesting. I don't think they've done an event this big in Star Wars comics since the EU. Uh, there, I forgot what that one was called. Vector, sub vector, I think it was called, where they crossed over all the books, even though they were in different timelines and things like that. It was a cool event like that. Um, so I'm really excited to see this kind of stuff happening, especially since you know Charles Soule has gotten that promotion within the Star the Star Wars storytelling realm. A- absolutely, and yeah, dude, Crimson Rain was very, very long. I. I'm feeling that link up to return of the Jedi uh, is coming very soon. And I, I'm really, really excited for it. Very excited. I uh, can't wait for more Star Wars comics. It's, it is some of the best Star Wars out there. Uh, but you know, there's another really interesting thing from the star warriors. Uh, it's a new comic that is being presented by defect comics written by Sean Pinkerton uh, with help by Casey Bowker. Uh, who is you know one of the defat overlords as you as you call them Rocco yes and uh, <laughs> and um, this is called Star Warriors it's based on Star Warriors it's interesting because Star Warriors started as a podcast and then there was an RPG group that grew out of it uh, and now there's some storytelling being told um, from that world uh, and it's on Kickstarter right now from our friend Casey Bowker and more and. So this is kind of a combination of comics and um, D&D 5E um, 
modules and different things that you can use uh, in your D&D games if you want to play a Star Wars type game. It's a neat little package, uh, media package with comics, you know. So I love that kind of stuff. So I'm really excited. Um, we've both backed this project. It's got uh, 28 days to go as of this recording. Um, so check it out. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to this book. I uh, I pledged for my copy and I can't wait to read it. Absolutely. And then uh, when's Critical Mass come back, my friend? Oh man, I'm hoping uh, the time of this recording, I'm hoping within the next few weeks, um, but there is a new episode that we did just drop um, in response to the Supreme Court is the title. Um, you can probably figure out what the subject matter is based on that. Um, but yeah. People don't like when Star Wars goes politic- political, uh, my friend. Right. Exa- right. Oh wait, exactly. it's political. It's all political. But uh, yeah, give us a listen there. Uh, it's the Critical Mass podcast, and then we have a show that just ended the season. We just did. We just aired the finale, and uh, that's Listen Up Casuals. And our finale is Doctor Strange. So if you just saw the movie and you want a little bit of analysis on the uh, character, um, please check it out. Absolutely. Also check out Tell I Talk. Casey and I do the Geekly News, uh, so check that out. We've been doing that show for over 200 episodes, and it's going to keep going because we're in 10 years of Don't Forget a Towel, and now known as DFAT Entertainment. So, excellent, excellent. So this is a uh, this is kind of our our end of end of the season show in a way, my friend. I think this is a a good point because I think we're going to probably take a month or so off with summer, mm-hmm. uh, and then we'll catch up on some comics as soon as possible, but. You know, if you guys don't hear from us, you know, in the next month, uh, don't worry. We'll be back in the fall and we'll be talking more about Star Wars comics and, of course, Hidden Empire on the way. Absolutely. So thanks, everyone, for giving us a listen and always remember to support your local comic shop. And for everybody out there listening, may the force be with you.